Welcome to this episode of Fincherpreneur. This episode, we're going to be diving deep into customer acquisition. We've talked about this topic a little bit in the past, but this entire episode is going to be devoted to that because we've got Vlad Sherbatov of Smarter Loans. He's built an online aggregator where borrowers find a variety of financial solutions on his site, and he bridges the gap between borrowers and lenders. So thank you very much for coming on the show today, Vlad. Super excited to have you. I'm pumped, guys. Thanks for having me. It was super excited. I've been waiting for a long time. Ever since you invited me onto the show, I've been waiting and preparing <laughs> for this event. Thanks Wonderful. for having me. I look forward to diving into this topic. So, you know, I'm actually really excited about this because I've known you for a while, but I, I don't really know your whole story. Talk to me about that. How do you get to where you are today doing this business? From a business point of view, I mean, we launched Smart Loans in 2016. It was with my very good friend, Raphael. I've actually known him for over 20 years. Now we went to school together. We've both been in the marketing industry from different sides. Raph has been on the agency side. He's worked with a lot of different industries big scale budgets. For me, my exposure was more on the business side. Was, I was working at some of the leading fintech companies, companies like Go Easy. you may be familiar with them, companies like Thinking Capital Driven, as they're now called. So uh, that, this is back in the early two, 2010s, 2011. So we were talking about, we always shared ideas. We have a common passion for entrepreneurship, for startups, for business. So a lot of times we would play some video games as we, when we were young and kind of growing up, but then also talk about different ideas of what we could possibly do. And uh, as probably many people that have their own businesses, we had a few failed ideas over early on in our career. But around 2016, we, we looked at the financial marketplace and the alternative lending space, fintech industry. And it was a very different industry back then. And we saw a gap in the marketplace. We follow an aggregated kind of model to help people understand better their financial solutions, specifically for lending eliminate some of the confusion in the space and help build the industry up and move it forward and promote the different products that are there. So that's kind of our path towards smarter loans. My history is, is a person is obviously much more diverse than that, but I'm sure we can talk about different aspects of, as we get to know each other today. No doubt, man. I look forward to that. So what's the biggest difference between, you know, you obviously did online marketing for loan offers. You did that at, as you mentioned, Easy Financial or Go Easy, and you did it at, at Thinking Capital, now called Driven. So you did that in both consumer and small business. What's the big difference between doing it for one lending brand versus Smarter Loans, which aggregates a bunch of these brands? That's a great question. Um, it's totally different. Uh, it's entirely different because if you look at aggregator model overall, you know, you think about aggregators, right? Like what, what comes to mind? You might think about booking a hotel, like an Expedia, right? And Smarter Loans essentially is an Expedia for the loans industry. But if you, if, you, if you look at the aggregator model, you may think of companies like that, like Expedia or Trivago or booking a hotel or, or something along those lines. But if you look one step further, you know, Google is the biggest aggregator, right? Google aggregates information people. A company like Facebook is also in the aggregation business. They aggregate people right, and relationships. So you don't have to call 25 people. You can just open up one app and see what everybody in your network essentially is up to. right? So when it comes to a marketing point of view, and when you're marketing for a specific company, you're really in the lead gen business. right? You're, you have some sort of a 
way to capture leads, especially in the financial industry and in the lending industry. It all comes down to lead generability. So you're going to go after certain marketing channels that are designed around lead generation. And you approach it that way. You're going to spend some money and you're going to try to optimize your funnel, right? Bring people in and then have a really good sales process to close them and have hopefully a proper retention mechanism to uh, increase the lifetime value of your customers, right? It's pretty straightforward bread and butter marketing approach. For aggregation, it's an entirely different process because, and I'll explain why, because uh, for us, for example, uh, there are two pieces of the equation. And in order for us to be successful, we need to, and a utility that we provide to, to people that are using our website, similar as people that are coming to Google to search for information, is that we consolidate information on the internet and present it in a more convenient, easy to digest kind of way, right? So we do that for the financial niche. Google does that for the entire internet. <laughs> and as you get better at it, what happens is the supply side has to join and is has a lot of incentive to join uh, your ecosystem. So in our case, it would be lenders that are joining our website and are creating profiles about themselves. And now our database of those lenders grows. And as it grows, the website becomes more powerful, right? Because now it has more choice, more information, and that brings more people in. And as more people come in, more lenders have an incentive to join as well. So it's just like on Amazon, uh, if you're running an e-commerce store right now, if you're you know, trying to launch an e-commerce brand, let's say you already have an e-commerce store, you're a business owner, maybe you're managing e-commerce for your brand, you gotta, you got to put Amazon as a very serious consideration for your marketing strategy. And not just like go on Amazon and uh, run some ads. It's about how do you create a store within Amazon that gives you more exposure within Amazon, right? Because Amazon has basically an unlimited shelf space. So how do you put yourself a little bit higher? There are certain things you can do and that you can invest in to give yourselves that, that chance. You can basically attract more customers. So as more businesses like that optimize themselves, they make Amazon bigger, right? And it becomes like this vicious kind of cycle, uh, a self-reinforcing positive feedback loop that makes the aggregator grow and expand in value. And as the industry grows, so does the aggregator. So that's the model that we follow. And when you market for that, it's entirely different because we're not in the lead gen business, as for example, a direct-to-consumer single lender is, or even as a lot of our direct competitors are, they are focused on generating a lead through some sort of an application or a form submission. We're focusing on promoting an ecosystem of lenders and their products and services in a way that is attractive to consumers, right? And bring those people in, enjoy the experience, understand what's available to them. Like nobody has to fill out any form on our site. You also don't have to Google and like, you don't have to go to Google and submit all your information before you do a search, right? You don't yeah. go to Amazon and like, you can shop around different socks on Amazon, or maybe in your case, shoes, David, you can go to Amazon and find like all the best looking shoes on Amazon. You don't have to fill out a lead gen form, right? So it's a totally different kind of marketing approach. And you have to look at your funnel differently too, mm -hmm. right? Because you're not like a straight up e-commerce brand, for example. Talk to us about building this out. So, uh, you know, we understand as an aggregator, you've got to, it's a double-edged sword, right? You got to get, you got to get the lenders so that you have something to offer to your buyers, but you have to have enough buyers to make it attractive for the lenders to get on your platform, right? So at the beginning, what was your first, what was your focus? And was there sort of a, a threshold yeah. where you went from having to source lenders to lenders wanting to be on the platform? Like, how did that experience go? Well, sure. I mean, we are, keep in mind that we're bootstrapped from the beginning. We never took on an investor. So 
Uh, we literally launched the business out of uh, our like two apartments. We were living in separate, you know, one bedroom apartments. So we would mm-hmm. meet at each other's places and uh, brainstorm and draw things like a little board. So we always had to be very cost conscientious, right? So we, di- we didn't have the capital to, let's say, go in and say, let's just go out and hire a bunch of people and teams and things like that. So we definitely, when we first started it, we had certain uh, marketing and because marketing is our bread and butter, you know, like we, we know marketing quite well, especially online marketing. So we, we were fairly confident in our strategy around attracting traffic to the website at uh, a fraction of a cost that maybe it costs some other uh, companies that are heavy reliant on paid media. But we certainly didn't have a proper solution to like quickly onboard a bunch of lenders, right? And yeah. even the traffic game, it takes time, right? So we were definitely in, in this mode where we have to get a little bit of traffic. Now we have to get some lenders, but obviously we're not in a position to charge anybody money, right? Because we only have a little bit of traffic. So what we mm-hmm. did at the beginning is we basically said, who are our ideal customers? And we looked at a few lenders in the space that were recognizable brands. And we reached out to them. We said, listen, we just want to list you. There's no charge at all. We're going to be sending you some traffic. Uh, you know, It may not be astronomical amounts at first. However, you can certainly anticipate some traffic coming from us. We're also going to uh, write some articles about you. We wanted to add a little bit extra value because we understood that we're early phase. So uh, we wanted to bring as much value as possible to these companies. Mm-hmm. And we basically started with like a list of five. And we said, we're going to list you guys for free. Don't worry about it. And they still work with us uh, to this day, right? Like seven years later, but they were the ones that were listed at no fee. And what that allowed us to do is start the snowball because now we could go after and do our marketing and say, look, we have a, you know, some really great options here, right? We have five. It helped us bring more people to the website. That helped us feed these five initial customers and maybe onboard a few more because now we said, well, we already have a few companies here. And what happened eventually, so that, that's, kind of, that was, that's basically the first couple of years of our business. And what happened eventually is interesting because initially it was a bit of a friction point for companies. They said, well, these are my, these are my competitors, right? Like I don't really want to be listed here. Right. But eventually there was a bit of a flip that happened where it says, well, a lot of my competitors on here I think we should be listed here. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise you're missing out. Exactly. Exactly. And they started asking questions of why are my competitors <laughs> listed there? You know, who are these guys? Oh, wait, but I heard I heard about these guys a year ago. They're still around. I heard about these guys two years ago. It looks like they're still around. Oh, well, they have more lenders now. So that switch did happen probably in around year towards the end of year two, year beginning of year three of, of our business. Mm-hmm. And uh, that helped us grow at, at a faster rate. You know, now we were able to bring more people more lenders grew. So today we have over 60 lenders on the platform and they cover a very wide spectrum of verticals and a wide spectrum of customer customer bases. So we have everybody from banks uh, all the way down to payday lenders. Right. Um, so that took a certain amount of time. I mean, uh, it, it took the, the seven years to onboard and we're still to this day are onboarding lenders that have very ne- uh, unique niche offerings and they solve and kind of fit into little gaps that we still have because our goal is we want to present the complete marketplace, right? We want to present a complete service offering to the people that use mm-hmm. our website. Vlad, you mentioned earlier that marketing an aggregator is quite different than marketing a single lender brand. It's less about lead gen. There's no form that they have to fill out on your site. But of course, you still need to drive traffic to the site. And so do you use a lot of uh, paid advertising to achieve that? Or are you... Is the idea behind the marketplace is that it tends to rank better organically and, and more of your traffic's organic? Like, how do you think about traffic and, and how do you get it? 
Uh, great question. Everybody's after traffic uh, these days, right? No matter almost what you do, even brick and mortar stores and businesses, everybody should be tr- thinking web traffic because they have usually some sort of a extension of their business in the virtual world online. So everybody needs traffic. And of course, us too, we're heavily reliant on traffic. So to answer your question, we have a mix of sources. Do we do paid advertising? Yes, we do lots of paid advertising. We do it on different platforms. Our, our approach to paid advertising I think, is quite different because we've been doing it for a very, very long time. And I'll, I'll come back to that in a second, because I, I think paid advertising is an interesting area in general right now, uh, what's happening in the industry and specifically for the lending space, but also for general e-commerce uh, brands and for general non-e-commerce brands. But aside from paid, we're very, we're, we're very content heavy. So we do a lot of content marketing. And by that, we skew very heavily towards video. For instance, we have over 800 videos or so on our YouTube channel. And video has been a huge component for us. We started, we started doing it heavily a couple of years ago. Organic traffic, search traffic, obviously, has always been a, a huge part of our strategy, of course. And uh, that was from the very beginning. But organic traffic is very unpredictable, right? Because you're basically at the mercy of Google. As you guys know, Like you, you guys probably do a lot of content. I see that you guys write a lot. I, I see a lot of content from Merchant Growth out there. So you certainly understand the concept of uh, releasing content out there in an effort to get the right eyeballs on it and perhaps generate some inbound traffic, right? Just like everybody else. And that's a big part. But for us, as our brand grew, we realized that for us to scale effectively, it's not enough to just rely really on any one of those chances, the sources. Because if you are, if you rely too much on organic, it's unpredictable. You don't, you don't know where it's going to be, right? Google changes its algorithm like next week. Um, your traffic could, gro- could drop in half, right? Easily. Mm-hmm. And that, that has happened on other platforms, right? Think of Facebook. Uh, there is an entire ecosystem of, of publishers that went out of business overnight, right? In, in like mid 2000s, 2010s, uh, when they decided to, when they basically said, okay, guys, no more organic traffic for anybody. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it, right? That happened. So that can easily happen. And if you over rely on paid, well, your acquisition cost is going to go up right away. Because look at what's happening in look at what's happening in paid. When I say paid, what is paid? Google, Facebook, increasingly maybe TikTok, and if you guys play in, in places like TV and radio, then it, it certainly puts you in a different echelon budget-wise. You're spending a lot of money, and if you're spending that much money on TV and radio, you uh, must have heavy media, heavy digital media budgets too. And and as soon as you touch digital media, you you go towards Google and Facebook. And uh, perhaps... What about YouTube? Do you spend money on YouTube? Uh, I kind of include YouTube within Google. Sure. Just just because it's kind of part of the same campaigns. However, yes, absolutely. Of course we do. Um, we we are very heavy on YouTube. Not, not necessarily from um, pure spend dollars, but amount of content that we release on YouTube. And we primarily use YouTube for retargeting as opposed to new customer acquisition, right? Just because it's not like a... It's not a heavy lead gen type of magnet. How would you compare video response and how effective video is in the consumer space rather than business space? Because I know you guys do both, but do you target both um, through video or is it mostly consumer? Uh, No, we target both. Absolutely. Because business owners is a huge audience on the internet. Like business Mm -hmm. owners and COVID has catapulted this audience. Because now you have all kinds of business owners. They're not just brick and mortar stores or office offices. It's also home, home-based operations. And people take them way more seriously now. And they possess a lot more power now 
because technology barrier basically doesn't exist anymore. You can run a high-scale operation out of your basement easily, and lots of people do that. And lots of people that are large companies are also working, you know, positioning themselves to, to work remotely. So all of that is very possible now for business owners. And they are on social. So you got you to target them with, with video everywhere, and uh, especially on social, because on social, basically... If you want to target somebody on social, you need video one way or another. Like it's they're not mm-hmm. they're not separated anymore. If you're not using video, you're basically not marketing on social. Right. And not just any kind of video. Like I'm not talking about a TV commercial that's been cut up into an Instagram reel or something like that. It has to be contextualized towards the, the platform and be in that kind of format uh, in order for it to be effective. And if you look at outside, you know, YouTube or, or wherever, if you look at in general, which Kind of media is more effective. It depends on what you could consider effective as well. In the lead gen, still the best results now come from Google type of because Google has a media intent, right? So it's a very different kind of um, targeting methodology. But mm-hmm. um, video it cannot be underestimated. I think now it's it's not even decoupled anymore. It comes it goes hand in hand with marketing. You just you can't really avoid it. A lot of companies struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, agencies even struggle with it. Or, or have a very short time horizon for what they expect from ROI, right? I think that's what I've seen a lot of people get started on something, one or two videos, three videos, not the traffic they want. Nah, this is not working. <laughs> and this is, that's not how it works. I know, it, it's true. And I think a lot of times it's a bit of just um, a cop-out because the truth is that you can't just even look at it with two, three videos. You've got to look at it at like 20, 30 videos, right? On a regular mm-hmm. basis because the type of videos that work now are not the same and they're they're not like tiktok changed everything it changed absolutely everything from a marketing point of view uh, and talk to you, us about a bit more on that vlad because i i know that you've had a few tiktoks that actually got a lot of views uh so you're a bit of a tiktok star how did that happen uh what do you think drove that and how did that impact your business was that a good thing for your business getting those viral posts so we have, I mean, I do some posting myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the marketing game myself. So I certainly do some posts. We, we as a company have a TikTok account. We were one of the first financial brands on TikTok in Canada. So when they were still in their beta version for advertising, we were one of their beta advertisers. So um, our account now has, I think, 30, just over 30,000 followers on TikTok. But this is for smarter loans. And if you look at our account, you'll see that we post every single day. And we have multiple creators. I guess you could say I'm one of the creators because I, I post some content there. I create some content that's that's distributed by our social media team. And TikTok is one of our six primary channels. So we are quite heavily invested there organically and paid. So from an organic point of view, we test quite a bit. Um, the impact, we have twofold. And for our business, TikTok has become a very stable channel. And that has been a result of our early attention to it. For me personally, I'm kind of from a smarter loans point of view. I use LinkedIn a lot for speaking to lenders and speaking to my audience. So I use some video content and things like that. And that has been effective for me. And uh, certainly being on TikTok has, uh, I guess, inspired me or pushed me to be a little bit outside of my comfort zone so I could pursue it for my uh, purpose and for my uh, context. But I'm a big fan of TikTok. I, I talk to my, you know, sometimes you still talk to, so if you're, I don't know, if you're a business owner, or if you're a marketing director somewhere. And I still, to this day, sometimes hear people say that, oh, you know, uh, my audience isn't on TikTok. It's interesting, but like they're, I'm not, my audience isn't on, on there or like, it's not on social or something like that. Or, you know, it, it skews too young, right? Like, stuff like that. 
And it's simply inaccurate because, uh, you know, the audience is there. You just have to find it. And the truth is, for TikTok in particular, business owners is a huge focus for them. I would say business owners are one of their biggest uh, focus areas because business owners are one of their big sources of content. They create a lot of content around their business because they're trying to promote their business. So they have a very big incentive to actually come up with cool, innovative content. Why? Because, well, what are their alternatives? If you're a small business owner, if you're marketing, even if for you guys, like if you're, if you're in the marketing side, where are you going to invest? Well, you're going to invest in like uh, Google, I guess, your low-hanging fruit, Google, Facebook, super expensive. They essentially run a monopoly on the media space, right? Like, do you, do you know when was the last time that they raised their prices for the auction? The answer is probably no, because you won't even know, right? You, you would you wouldn't know. You would you would maybe guess like, oh wait a minute, why is my cost my why is my position cost keep going up? And there's always different reasons for it, but ultimately, um, they have a, a fairly solid grasp on like, how much advertisers pay, and they certainly don't prioritize small business owners. And uh, like, why should they really? And so, if you look beyond them, you're going to be spending on uh, you're going to be trying to maybe do some more organic I don't know blog posts and stuff like that. But this takes a very long time doesn't really generate much. So for business owners, TikTok is a natural place to go because if you can actually create a a good content video, it's going to get a bunch of views. And I hear stories all the time talking to business owners about, hey, I got one video, it got 150,000 views and and it brought me like 30 sales right away. And that's just one post. And it's basically just something, it it just takes that like ounce of creativity. And you see it sometimes on TikTok and it's so simple. And it's it's got it doesn't have to go to thirty million views, like like thirty thousand views is a very realistic attainable number for a video that has any genuine retention to it. And TikTok is the first place that truly rewards that retention. If you can have zero followers, followers mean nothing. And you can have zero followers if you actually make a video that has a little bit of retention. People actually genuinely rewatch it or watch it to a certain you get exponentially rewarded for that and in order to achieve that tiktok i think is going about it in a very smart way they're they're investing a lot into training and educating people into how to do that and who do they start with they start with with business owners there's campaigns on youtube from tiktok talking to business owners saying hey we have this whole business creative business hub for you you go here we're going to give you a bunch of simple, super creative ideas that have a high likelihood of, of going viral, right? Uh, all you have to do is just check it out and start posting for your business. And they do that and they, and they get success. And why not? And there's business owners that do this on a regular basis. Once they learn how to do it, they, there's a formula to it that they, they find and discover certain things that work. And today, we live in an age where a simple business owner, I believe, is able to outperform an entire marketing team because they are looking at things differently. And also when you manage your own, uh, you know, the money in your own pocket versus the money behind a, I don't know, like a publicly traded co- company with million dollar budgets, inevitably you're, you're going to look at things a little differently. Right. <laughs> and uh, so all of that comes into play. But if you look at TikTok beyond the, it's not even a platform, just the video style. That stuff is transferable. You know, let's say what happened after TikTok launched. Like, first of all, and I'm, I'm, I'm lingering on TikTok, but it's interesting because if you're, if you're talking to marketing people these days, they, you have to, you know, 
it's one word that probably sums up your entire 2023 strategy because TikTok is not limited just to the actual social media platform. It's why is it? What is it about it that's changed everything? And if you look at the style of the video, that video was never seen before. Like that style of video wasn't really seen before. So what happened since TikTok launched? Uh, Instagram launched Reels. Facebook launched uh, Reels. I think it's called the same thing. Snapchat launched Spotlight, which is their version of a TikTok video. Twitter has something in the beta. I can't remember what it's called. And Pinterest launched... They're Vine. Uh, yeah, yes, exactly. And yeah. Pinterest also launched one called Idea Stories or something like that. They're all right. just... Oh, oh, YouTube. Sorry, I missed the biggest one. YouTube launched Shorts, right? Yeah. So there's a reason for that, right? And you have to, as a marketer, kind of pay attention to that. And, and, even, and even if you're not invested from a media point of view on a platform like TikTok, which I suppose is fine, but you know, it is probably should be a strong consideration for anybody who's playing in that space. Even if you're not playing in that space, you should at the very least pay very close attention and ask yourself, am I, do I have the resource? Am I able to, is our team able to produce this type of content for our brand? Like, I think that should be the main question that people should be asking themselves that are in a position of marketing or if they're business owners uh, or if they're managing marketing budgets or if they're running an agency for a lot of clients. Because if you can't do it yourself and your team can't do it, and then you're going to look to your agency if you're like outsourcing and if they can't do it, like what do you do then? So I think that should be a big uh, thing that people should be solving for themselves going forward towards next year. I deviated a bit from your question. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. I let you keep going because I think it's hugely valuable, especially to listeners of the podcast that are running small businesses. Uh, it really resonated with me when you said how we live in this unique time where a single business owner can effectively compete against a large business with a big marketing team and budget. Um, and it's platforms like TikTok that are making that possible. Like, I think that's a really awesome thing and you know cool that the world's trending in that direction that's kind of a big part of our mission at merchant growth and tabit is it's about leveling the playing field between small businesses and large corporations um and our, we we focus on the financing piece you know you're focusing on the marketing piece and and there's tools out there that are proliferating like like TikTok that are also doing more than just that but one of the things they're doing is leveling that playing field between small business and large corporates so i think that's that's cool we always think that a lot of small businesses is cooler than having like a few large businesses i think that's a well, it, vision for the planet yeah and you know what like even for small businesses it, it gives them much more power and let's say if they do take out financing if you can't possibly take out a financing uh, you know let's say you're selling shampoo or something or, or some sort of a organic cream like you can't possibly take out financing let's say you take out seventy-five thousand, and and then go and, and compete on google pay-per-click solely when you're competing against you know the bay and like l'oreal and all those creams that, that are spending millions of dollars right so that, that's already going to be a losing battle so i think one of the best things that businesses can do is if they're going to be taking out financing is allocate a portion of that financing towards smart marketing. Like you, you, it's not enough to just go in and just blurb it out just like for the sake of it, because everybody is doing this. You have to really put thought into it. And if you're able to do that, you know what you're doing, or you have the right people on your side that know what they're doing, then you can have your dollars go much further today than a few years ago. 
-hmm. And that gives you a unique advantage. You know, it's just like if I wanted to start a store 10 years ago, I would need to take out a loan of like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars over a long term time to get leased to like maybe build a building or, you know, do all that stuff, hire inventory. I need a place to store my stuff. I need uh, staff, right? Set up all the systems. It's a huge production. Like today, I can I can take out a, a ten thousand dollar loan, right? A twenty thousand dollar loan, put up a store, get some uh, uh, system for to automate some of my communication and marketing. These are all monthly subscriptions of less than a hundred bucks a month, right? I can automate a lot of those things, set up a store, initiate some basic, and and then still have a solid probably five thousand dollars left over towards a marketing campaign, even after I've already put up my basic operational uh, infrastructure. You know what I mean? I don't have to worry about inventory. I, I, can, I can sell first and fulfill later even, right? So, yeah. so you, you have so much more tools. The tech barrier has basically been evaporated. So now it's about, well, how do you stand out from the crowd? Platforms like TikTok, they, they offer that opportunity. It's just, it's, it's hard. It, it's not easy. You know, it's not like... <laughs> <laughs> you don't do it right. once you got to keep trying right you need to persevere and like try over and over again look at how much content you know gary v produces and not all of it lands but some of it does right the guy just a machine putting that stuff out <laughs> yeah well gary v is a unique case i mean his team and this is the last that i know so which was a, probably a couple of years ago but at that point his social media team that is solely responsible for uh, capturing dissecting and distributing his social media content was at 20 people. You know, you talked about uh, your business at the beginning, you know, the two one bedroom apartments getting together with a whiteboard. Where where are you now? Like how many people on your team? What do they kind of do? What does your business look like today? Sure. Uh, we have about 15 people now that are consistently on, on the business. We have a very much a remote style culture here. And this was our case even from before COVID. So COVID didn't really change much for us. It, it was actually it was fairly easy for us to adapt to it. And our team is, I mean, you, we have our, our basic sort of uh, roles from IT department, you know, from IT and tech and web developers and things like that. And Raf and I are still very active, obviously, in our role. But we also have beyond that core team, uh, we have a, established a fairly solid network of freelancers and different sources that we've developed just over the course of working in the industry. And from before that, we had a digital agency for a solid like 12 years and we're still active now. So uh, we, we have a lot of uh, sources available at our disposal that get activated. They're like, they're, they're like little files for us. They, they get activated when it's necessary. So when we have uh, some big project going on, we wanna get something done quickly, or we wanna have a lot of content produced at a faster pace. Or let's say we visit or we have an event coming up like we had at the CLA. You know, we may not have at the CLA, we had two on the ground videographers uh, capturing the entire event. Like we don't have them working for us full time. Right. We, have our, we have our own video editors that may that edit our social media clips and things like that. You know, they're kind of on staff. But for certain events like this, for example, where we want to have that extra expertise brought in, we don't have to go looking for it. Like they're right at our disposal, they're at, at our fingertips. So we consider them to be an extension of our team too. And the, the number of, I mean, that's we probably have a good a solid group of like 20, 25 people there that are ranging from writers to uh, video creators. So we have people that are in the States that make content for us. Writers, video, uh, video creators, graphic designers, and just people that have unique kind of skill sets, you know, from an SEO point of view. 
sometimes from a marketing point of view, publishers and things like that. Very cool. Thanks for all that information on TikTok. I'm definitely, I'm definitely sold on it. Uh, I was definitely one of those people that was thinking, ah, I don't know if my clients are on it, but now, now you've got me thinking. So I'm going to have to explore that a little bit further. But uh, sort of switching gears into looking forward, 2023. What are you excited about 2023? What do you guys got planned for smarter loans? Um, you know, what are you hoping to achieve uh, in the upcoming year? Well, we're going through a, a, a quite a substantial transformation with our technology right now. And what it's going to produce and is producing where we are in the final stages right now of already testing it. And what it's bringing to the industry is something totally new and something that has been a goal of ours for a long time. And we're happy to say that we're now very, very close to it. And it's available to lenders and it's available to consumers. And what it is, is a application that lives on our website that is connected to our network of lenders. We have over 60 lenders right now. And going forward, when people come to our website, they'll be able to complete one application. It collects uh, a soft credit report on the consumer. It also collects their banking information for those that are able to connect it and are, provide consent to share that information. And by taking those data points in, what we're able to do is scan this loan request across our network of 60 lenders that are on the website and filter through and pre-qualify them for specific offers that are available for, for that borrower. And from that point, the borrower has a very simple way to claim that offer and get funded. And our vision is that this will be, as we work and develop it, this will be the easiest, fastest, most convenient way to find any loan and obtain it. And you know, our intention is for them to do it through Smart Loans, our website. So, you know, the, the thing for us is that we are we're working in many verticals. So people come to us to get personal loans and business loans and mortgages and you know, auto financing, boats and marines and so on and so forth. So we are rolling it out and it's going to cover our entire spectrum. And business financing will be a, a huge piece for it as well, because we want to help just like you guys. Our mission is really to help business owners find the tools, get the financing they need to grow their business, invest it smartly. And uh, working with companies like yours and having someone like Merchant Growth be on our website, able to supply these business owners with the capital that they need for that growth is instrumental to our success as well. So we're very much, very, very excited to help. I mean, we've, we've worked together with you for a number of years, but we're excited because we'll be able to do much more together as we roll this out. So I, got, I have a little bit of a rhetorical question for you then. Are you joining the good fight to get open banking pushed here in Canada? I feel like that would probably be a, a good benefit for you guys to have access uh, on an ongoing basis. What do you think? Well, is there a fight happening? Like who's fighting exactly, <laughs> right? Like yeah. I, I, I believe that it's, I almost feel like it's just stuck in this processing phase and, and the processing phase in Canada is perhaps a little bit longer than it is in some other countries. But if you yeah. look at the fintech world in the US or or in the UK, and you compare it to here, then you'll see that perhaps this lag on the open banking is, is not so um, unusual because everything kind of lags for a few years. So mm -hmm. I, I, I talk to companies like Flinks uh, that are really deep into that space, right? Like it's really, really important for them. Uh, and other companies as well that are, that are in the banking verification space. And every time I speak to them, they seem to be further ahead. They're working in new stuff. They, they unlock new gates 
So mm-hmm. I feel like it's not so much a fight, and maybe so much, so much like a follow up, like follow up <laughs> emails or something like that. That that are like, yeah. hey, let's let's keep like pushing along, bumping bumping this up, uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So yeah, I'm very excited for it. Of course, I mean it's about time. We we got to get, and I mean it's it's instrumental. Canada is a fintech hub. Mm-hmm. It's and open banking is something that will continue to fuel its growth. And when that growth happens, then all of us benefit in the ecosystem. It gives us more tools to serve the consumers better. Mm-hmm. When the consumers are happier, it makes the entire industry more trustworthy, more credible, more companies come into the come into the game. So everything grows and blooms. And I think when we look at where we are economically, financial services and fintech are have historically been key to economic recoveries, right? So I'm very excited about all the things that are going to happen and how it's going to impact us. And I'm sure we're going to come out much stronger and better on the other side. So Vlad, we always like to wrap it up and, and, and get sort of one last question out of you. And that is, if you are looking back 10 years from now, what would you be happy or excited to have happened either in your business or in the fintech space in general 10 years from now? 10 years from now. If you look back, um, if you look back, you picture yourself looking back. back. It's 10 years <laughs> from now, you're looking back. What would make you happy? What would make me happy that would, that would happen now? Yeah, or any time in the next 10 years, really. Well, you know, I, it would really make me happy if, because I feel like from a business point of view, we're still very early in our journey. You know, Raf and I, when we embarked on it, and even every year, we've always had a, a big vision for what we want to do. We want to b- build a great, big, great, big Canadian company. We want to have a big impact. We want to have lots of happy people that are working with us and working on our team. So we're not there yet. So I think when I look 10 years from now, I mean, I don't know if I'm still going to be involved in this business, for example, 10 years from now, I'm certainly will be involved in something, but it, I will feel happy at that time if I can look back and say that, yeah, we'll fulfill what we wanted to do. Perhaps it was in a different form or uh, it's uh, obviously pivoted along, along our journey as our business did even in the past seven years. But it definitely would make me very, very happy. And that's that, I think that's why we're still so so hungry for it now. I mean, you know, the reason it would make me happy is because we're very hungry for it now. So that's that's what makes us work very, very hard for this. So when we come to the office, we're thinking about what we're doing. Uh, it's always in the back of our heads, right? Our, our objectives and we'll, what we had set out to do. So I would be very disappointed if we don't do that. And I would be very happy if we do do that. And that's why that's kind of drives our... our day right now from monday to friday and often from monday to friday night and the saturday and sundays and you know christmas is like for me is a very painful time of the year because <laughs> it's like everything is slow everything slows down for two three weeks and i just don't understand it right like I, i'm good with one couple one two dinners maybe and what are we doing the rest of the time right so i'm <laughs> so i don't know if that really answers your question but i, I hope it gives you a sense of of uh, what's important uh, to me and um to us as we're on this business well godspeed vlad it's uh I, I admire the hustle and i think you're uh absolutely right that it's early days and there's so much potential for what you're doing i'm happy that we're one of the lenders on your platform and and hope to see a lot of growth in the years to come in that relationship appreciate it yeah man so thanks a lot for your time today that was a really great conversation i got to know you and your business a lot better hopefully uh I'm sure that this uh, provides value to the listeners, especially on how to think about marketing their businesses. So great discussion. So that's it for this episode. Look forward to having you back soon on uh, Fentrepreneur. Thanks a lot.